he's my dad's been in the wholesale business up here, you know, virtually his whole adult life, like 40 years. And so, I mean, he's known Julian, what is it? Third, I guess. Right. Julian. Van Cooper, third. Yeah. I mean, he's known him since like the eighties. He's got a bottle of Pappy 20 or, you know, when nobody used to buy it, it's like signed to my dad. Thanks for all the business over the years. I'm like, I can't even <laughs> imagine what this thing is worth, you know? Well, it depends. Does it have green glass? Uh, it doesn't have green glass. Okay, I was about to say. I was like, I, I know my, I know my shit a little bit. So I was like, if it's got green glass, I can tell you that's gonna be worth some money. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 179 of Bourbon Pursuit. My name is Kenny, one of your co-hosts, and I don't really have a whole lot of news that's going to be super recent because I actually had to record this about a week prior. Uh, I've been in Seattle this week. Uh, well, it's actually going to be future speak, so I'm going to Seattle, but I've been in Seattle this week. So I'm going to go hit up some bourbon bars and probably going to look at me on uh, Instagram having a few things here and there as well. But with that, let's go over some of the more recent news as of today. Jim Beam is really starting to make a splash. As everybody knows, they had the Booker's 30th anniversary that was originally supposed to be a 16 year. Uh, it's coming out with six, with a silver wax. And everybody was kind of looking at it as like, well, if the 25th anniversary was awesome, the rye was awesome. I wonder if they can hit the trifecta and have three really awesome Booker's releases all coming back to back. I guess you call it a turkey in a bowling terms. But we're going to see what happens because it was supposed to originally be 16. However, who knows if there was something wrong with the taste, if there was something wrong with the blend. But now it's more of a nine year rather than a 16 year. So we'll see what that does in regards of the market and what people are willing to try to go out of the way and try to get a bottle. But there's also the new 10 year Basil Hayden release. Now, I know a lot of you bourbon nerds are kind of like me and you know that old granddad 114 is the same exact mash bill at a higher proof and a lower price. But however, this one is actually gonna be coming with an age tank with Basil Hayden. So I'd be interested in myself to try it, but Wade Woodard over at tatertalk.com had a good article really dispelling some of the things about the disappearance of age statements that we've been seeing recently. And then all of a sudden they're coming back, but at a much higher markup and value. So go and check that out. It will be in the show notes as well. Buffalo Trace is launching a new line of bourbon, and this goes into their oak experimentation of a new line called Old Charter Oak. And it's going to talk about how they explore how barrels are made from trees that grew in different countries, different climates, the soil, and how it really affects the flavor of the whiskey. You know, typically what we have today are um, is American white oak that's coming from the American Ozarks. The first release of this series is going to be Mongolian oak, but through the press release that we saw, you can expect Canadian oak, French oak, um, oak from Georgia, from Washington, and even centuries old oak that's 100, 200, three year, 300 years old. It's going to be pretty exciting stuff. However, for myself, I'm a little disappointed that it's only 90 proof. So the real winners here are those that are on the tasting panel that get to do it at higher proofs and even coming straight from the barrel. However, maybe one day, maybe they can take this as some, uh, uh, you know, take my idea and run with it, but save some of this stuff. Save it for an extreme connoisseur experience at the distillery, and maybe you can say, I want to drink around the world or try oak around the world or oak beyond the, uh, the decades or something like that. It'd be really cool to be able to do that and try it at all different proofs as well. Heck, I'll even pay for it. So keep me to that. 
on our end, we've got a lot of stuff happening as well. We have eight, you heard it, eight barrel picks all landing here really soon. So go get signed up. And thank you once again to our retail partners, One West DuPont out of DC and Keg and Bottle out of San Diego for making all these happen. So make sure you go to patreon.com. There is all the signups that you can get in there. And we've got two barrel selections. You know, we started already wrapped up 2018. Uh, guess what? We're already thinking about 2019. So we've got two barrel picks already lined up in January. One is at Buffalo Trace and the other is at Four Roses. So go get signed up if you want your chance to be on the barrel selection teams. Today's episode is one that kind of brings us back to the basics a little bit. I met Carmen through Twitter. It was one thing where people had actually tagged us on multiple posts because Carmen is an ESPN radio show host out of the Chicago area, and he's a big bourbon drinker as well. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy can, he can talk on air and he likes bourbon. It's gotta be a good show. But really we go into a lot of things of what got him into bourbon, his family history. What is bourbon like in Chicago? Is it a tough market, especially for those allocated releases? He talks about some of the basics that we have to go through as learning how to hunt and how do you get your hands on specialty bottles and what you have to be able to do to be able to do that. So you're going to get a lot of good information for those of you that are looking to really start getting ramped up with inside of this as well. Now, if you want to make sure you get all the show notes, such as our Jim Beam press releases, our Buffalo Trace articles, everything like that, that we talk about here, make sure you go and you sign up for our mailing list at bourbonpursuit.com. So before we enjoy this week's episode, you've got Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. A few weeks ago, I mentioned the bad bourbon Santa coming to people's homes who have been naughty. Well, the bad bourbon Santa saw that, and he sent me a list of things that would be of particular annoyance to him and that would cause him to come into your home, kick your dog, drink your pappy, and eat all your cookies. So I'm going to read you that list now so you can make sure you stay out of trouble with the bad bourbon Santa. Number one, make fun of somebody on Facebook. Ooh, yeah, that's not good. That's not very nice at all. I can see why Bad Bourbon Santa wouldn't want that. You flip a bottle when you don't need the money. Now, listen, if you need the money, flip the bottle. That's fine. Drink vodka, promote vodka. Suggest anybody anywhere at any time drink vodka. Listen, I'm with Santa here. You don't want to be drinking vodka or promoting it. Vodka is the arch nemesis of bourbon. Just stay away from that stuff. Take crotch photos of your proud new shiny bottle you just bought at the liquor store. Quote, nobody needs to see your crotch, end quote. I'm with Santa. Look, I get it, the enthusiasm you have for buying a new bottle, but do you really need to hold it right up to your crotch and steering wheel and snap a picture and share with everybody? Look, I don't want to see that. Make a home blend, announce it being the next pappy. Yeah, that kind of goes without saying. Um, let's, let's move on from that. Drink a craft bourbon and say nice things to the distiller to their face, but destroy the product under your anonymous social media handle. Seriously, that's a shitty move. If you have something bad to say about a product, have the guts to say it to the distiller's face. You know, I've been in some situations where I didn't know what to say, that you could see the look in the distiller's eyes, and you didn't want to hurt their feelings. So you got to find a way to say something that doesn't hurt their feelings. Um, 
But if you're going under an anonymous handle and making fun of a product that you didn't have the guts to share to their face, then I would say you're a dick. Buy your friend whiskey stones. This is from Santa here, not from me. For God's sakes, no more whiskey stones. I've actually never bought anybody whiskey stones, so I don't know what that's about. Santa must have it up his ass for whiskey stones. And lastly, if you hoard your good bottles and don't open them for friends, you are a bitty boo-boo. Okay, Santa. Santa really does not like people who are hoarding their good bottles and not opening for friends. You know, I personally, I bust out my rarest, oldest stuff for all my good friends. You can ask my friends at my cigar club, and they will tell you I bring the best I've got, and uh, that's why a cigar club is so much fun, that and the company. So that's the list. Listen to it again. If you don't do any of those things, you should be okay, and you won't be on Bad Bourbon Santa's you know, bad side. But if you've done any of these, the bad bourbon Santa will come to your house and drink your bourbon, eat your cookies, and most likely pass out on your couch. So that's this week's Above the Char. If you have something that bourbon Santa should be putting on his radar to put someone on the naughty list, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram and I'll share it with them. That's at Fred Minnick. Again, that's at Fred Minnick. Until next week, cheers. Oh, and happy holidays. And they're off for another Give 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back to the episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of Bourbon. Kenny here today riding solo, but we are doing a remote interview talking to somebody that I've been following on Twitter for a while. And it's actually somebody that was a fan of the show said, hey, you guys should probably talk to this guy because he likes bourbon. He's a radio show host. So odds are that he knows how to talk in front of a camera and on top of a microphone. So we're going to probably have a pretty good conversation today. Just talk about bourbon 
maybe a little bit about Chicago, maybe a little bit about sports. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens here today. So today I have Carmen DeFalco. He is an ESPN Chicago talk show host out of, well, Chicago, right? So uh, welcome to the show, Carmen. Kenny, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I do love bourbon. I love sports and I can talk a little. So let's do it. <laughs> you, hit, you hit all the check boxes that That's we right. look for. <laughs> I mean, be honest with me. It's because it's, it's well, a lot of times we'll we'll bring on some guests, uh, and you know you're younger, right? And we had some we had some problems trying to get you on here yeah. uh, with uh, with Google Hangouts, but you did better than some people that uh, you know they they tell us that you know their computer's still running like Windows ninety eight. So you've at least you've at least got us this far. I, as long as without you walking me through it, it would have taken longer. Believe me. I mean, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm 41. So you think I, we should all sort of be, I feel like I should be more computer and tech savvy than, than I am. But I'll tell you, my, like millennials and my kids, I mean, the stuff my kids can do at ages six and four on the computer and on the iPad is ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's such a different world. I sometimes struggle. I need step-by-step direction. So I'm glad you had a, an idea of how to troubleshoot today. Otherwise, we would have been waiting forever. <laughs> I mean, I think that's something that we've all seen with with our kids growing up is that, well, now we just hand them the iPad. At least mine's mine's only, she's getting ready to turn five. So I just hand her the iPad and she's gone. Right yeah. now, She's she knows how to use Netflix. She knows how to swipe. She knows how to do all that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like it's laid back parenting, really. The problem is when they start buying stuff, though. That's what I'm still, you know, like, don't go into the app store and start buying stuff. And then I'm, I, I, at some point, I got to set up those, like, parental controls. I mean, I have to figure, how to figure out how to do that so that I can block some of the stuff they shouldn't be seeing. I haven't even thought about that yet. But now, is, like you said, they're getting older and they just know to grab it and pick it up and start watching whatever they want. I'm like, I better get in there and set up some parental controls and make sure they don't start spending $1,000 in the app store. Yeah. It's, so the other thing you got to start worrying about is all these goddamn smart speakers that are coming out too, right? Because you can just say, hey, Alexa, buy whatever it is yeah. on Amazon and it'll just go ahead and just send it. Luckily, we don't have one of those set up yet. We just got the Google Home thing that I've got to set up at some point. And I, and I will, but yeah, that, that's a whole other nightmare. You're right. Because they're going to be talking to this thing and God only knows what they're going to buy. They think, I mean, anything... They literally, you know what this is like. And I guess we were the same way when we were kids. They think anything they want, they should get without any questions asked. It doesn't matter. It's just, oh, I want this. I want to get it. And like when we were kids, you have, you'd have to tell your parents and then they'd have to say, well, you can or you can't, or maybe we'll go and buy that. But yeah, now if like they want it, we tell them no, they can just say, hey, Google, or hey, you know, hey, Alexa, buy me this. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, but let's what be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, I'm, I do pretty bad. I actually give her a lot of the stuff anyway. I'm just, too, yeah, you're just kind of like, well, whatever. As long as, as long as it just leaves me alone for 10 minutes, sure, it'll be my, fine. My wife tells me all the time, she's like, you say one thing and then you do the other. She goes, those, those threats don't work if you're not going to stick to your guns. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's terrible. <laughs> all right. So let's get a little bit back on topic here. I want to uh, give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself, uh, what you do for ESPN and around Chicago and stuff like that as well. Yeah, so uh, I grew up here, born and raised in Chicago, never left, went to college here and everything, and I've uh, been working at ESPN in Chicago here for, God, we're celebrating, the station celebrating its 20-year anniversary this year. Um, we got a big celebration next Friday, because next Friday the 12th is the actual day that we went on the air here in Chicago. We were ESPN's first owned and operated radio station 20 years ago. Um, there's a handful of them around the country now. 
but we were the first ones October 12th of 1998. And I started here just a couple months later, like December of 98, right out of college. And I've been here ever since. I mean, I started working, you know, graveyard shifts on the weekends and stuff like that a million years ago and done a little bit of everything. Spent a lot of time as a reporter and covered the NBA for about five years in the Bulls and uh, been doing talk shows regularly since about 2003, all the different day parts done afternoon drives, middays, doing middays now uh, with my partner, John Yurkovich, who is a 10 year NFL vet. He's a Chicago guy, came back here after his career was over uh, in 99 and uh, got on the radio and he's been doing it ever since. And we've been together since we've been together since 2009. So we're going on 10 years doing a show together. Um, so yeah, I've been here for, it's, that's kind of rare, like one radio station, my entire professional career. I started as a producer at a different station in the market, but, uh, I feel pretty fortunate to be doing it here in the place I grew up talking about all the teams that I love. Um, yeah. And it's been, it's been a pretty good run at some point. I figure they've got to kick me out of here. I just hope it's, not. (laughs) I hope it's not too soon. It's, it's been, uh, like I said, 20 years in this business at one stop is a pretty long run. I was about to say, you sound like my grandparent or my grandpa. He was like a lifer at GE, right? It was just yeah. one of those things that, that they would stay at one job. They may do a few different things with inside of the, that roof, but that's where they just stayed. If they keep me here, I'll stay. I'm telling you, I like being here. So it's just a matter of like in this business, normally you, know, you get to a point, you get called in the boss's office and they're just sick of you. Luckily, it hasn't happened yet. So we'll see. We got a, hopefully we got a pretty good run left in us. As long as the the direct deposit keeps coming in and health insurance is there, that's all you need. All that matters. So let's talk a little about, you know, your bourbon story. What kind of got you into bourbon as well? Because we, anybody that hasn't had the opportunity yet, go follow Carmen on Twitter. It's just what, Carmen DeFalco. Yeah, Carmen DeFalco. Yep. Yeah. So you can go and... Every once in a while, between the, the tweet storm of anything sports related, you you throw some some bourbon knowledge in there. So, kind of talk about your you know your story of where you kind of whether it was your first taste or kind of got introduced to it. How that yeah, well, worked out. well, whiskey for me started um, about about twenty years ago, and uh, I went on a trip to Ireland uh, with my dad, who's in the liquor business up here, the wholesale business up here in Chicago, and. Um, went over with, uh, Irish distillers and I was, you know, I had just turned 21. This was the summer after I turned 21. Uh, so I was a legal drinker, although over there, I'm not sure they have a, an age. I think like at eight, you can start drinking whiskey over there, but yeah, as long uh, as you're walking, right? <laughs> I think that's it over there. But I remember going on this trip to Ireland with my dad we spent a few days in, uh, Dublin and then Cork. And we started, uh, with Jameson, you know, that we did these distillery tours and we started learning about the process of making whiskey. And to that point, I had never had a sip of whiskey. Like I said, I had just turned 21. I guess I had had maybe Jack a few times as an 18, as a 19 year old, but I really, real. you probably went to I, parties before. I did. I had, I guess, uh, but you know, we drink a Miller high life. That's all we drink. Usually. Like I don't, I never had an Irish whiskey. I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't know anything about all the different types of whiskeys. And uh, for somehow a, a kid who stunk at science and didn't like math fell in love with this process of making whiskey. I thought the chemistry behind it was so cool and the craftsmanship uh, behind it was so cool. And like, I fell in love with Irish whiskey. So, you know, that's kind of how it all started for me. I went through my scotch phase, probably in my mid twenties, uh, a little bit. And then, I don't know. I would say sometime right around 2006, uh, 2005, 2006, uh, I started getting into bourbon. Maker's Mark was the was the first thing that uh, got me into it. And I 
I started to realize that I like the taste so much more than, than Irish whiskey or Scotch whiskey. And I don't, I'm not trying to, to, to demean any or tell anybody what's better. I mean, whatever you like, you like, but for me, uh, I've got a real sweet tooth and, and just the sweetness, uh, of, of bourbon kind of wowed me. And I said, I, I like this more than any of the others. And that was it. I just started kind of, um, I fell in love with it and I started pouring myself into learning about the history of whiskey in this country. And I was, uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of, I enjoyed the story, um, about the way it was created here and what people from Ireland and Scotland brought here and the idea of whiskey making and how they took all the, you know, the crops at the end of the year and figured out, okay, well, we've got all this corn, what are we going to do with it? And it turned into this, this magical uh, product that I think is just fantastic. And so I, I love the story of it. I love learning about uh, the history of it. And I was kind of off and running. Um, so that's sort of how the whole thing started for me. So you'd mentioned your dad was in the wholesale business. Kind of talk about what that was like, what sort of influence it was, other than just saying, hey, I got a free trip to Ireland to go and drink whiskey. What, what else kind of uh, was that an impact on you at all? It's funny because, you know, my dad's never been a big drinker much at all, but he spent his whole life uh, in the liquor business. And, you know, he, he, we, we, he, 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 when we went like this bonding trip that we had, and it was just the two of us, I have two younger brothers. Um, and it was just like, it was just the two of us over there. Uh, it was the first time I had ever really kind of seen my dad cut loose drinking too, you know, uh, like I said, he just wasn't a big drinker. And I remember one night we were at this big event. Uh, I think, uh, I think we were in Cork, if I'm not mistaken. And there was this big party that the Irish distillers were throwing with all these different wholesalers from around the country. My dad knew all a bunch of people that he had known from the business for all these years. And it was like the first time, uh, I think I really kind of saw him get uh, liquored up and it was like this fun, cool bonding experience that we had. Like I said, just somehow the, I, I, I don't know, I, I can't even explain why, but I just thought the whole process behind making it, storing it, caring for it, crafting it was so cool that uh, it stuck with me. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, everybody's always said I'm kind of an old soul. I'm, a, I'm a, kind of a nostalgic person. So I had fond memories of that trip when I came back here. And, you know, at that time too, like nobody was drinking whiskey, really. Certainly young people weren't drinking whiskey. And so as I'm trying to get the word out about it, you know, most of the time what happens is you're greeted with sort of like mockery and ridicule about, you know, and then especially as you transition into bourbon, I mean, like drinking, doing shots of JMO at the bar was pretty popular. But uh, the minute I started talking about bourbon or drinking old fashions in Manhattans and tell my friends about it, I mean, you know, you get called grandpa back then. It was <laughs> That's what to say. I was like, right? no, like what was their reaction to it? Oh all? my God, it was, it's insane. And like to see now how you can't go into a bar that doesn't try to make the best old fashioned in town or the best uh, Boulevardier in town or the best Manhattan in town. I mean, everybody's fighting for that title now. And 15 years ago, especially up here, um, in Chicago. I mean, like that was, you went into a bar, even an up, even an upscale place or a real fine dining establishment and you ordered an old fashioned and the 50 year old bartenders back there muddling oranges and, you know, those maraschino cherries that they put in the kitty cocktails. I mean, it's, it's horrible, you know, and that, that's the only way it was happening. And yeah, trying to convince people that, no, this is good, or this is cool. You should try this. Uh, you know, the idea of drinking bourbon, it was like, come on, man, give me vodka. Vodka tonic is, uh, that's all people wanted. It was, it was weird watching people's reaction to that. And everybody said, ah, you're an old man. 
So now is it kind of flip the script on oh. them a little bit and they come over to your house and they start rummaging through all your bottles now? Is that what it, goes on? It, you hit it on the head, Kenny. I mean, and now it's, you know, and, and that's how I started getting into it on Twitter so much with people, just the interaction, because I, I would talk about it in the air a lot and then people would start sending tweets about, you know, I'm trying to get into it. What should I look for? What should I buy? Why is it so fine? Why is it so hard to find good bourbon? And I just started interacting with people on Twitter. And before you know it, I mean, people are coming to me with, and, and I'm, believe me, I'm far from an expert. I mean, um, but an influencer. Uh, yeah, I that's guess. what you start realizing is once yeah. you, once you put a microphone in front of your face and you start talking about stuff, all of a sudden these people start calling you influencers yeah. and you're, and you're just like, I don't know. I just figured out about some stuff last week. Right. Yeah. Like I read a lot about it and you know, I, I, I try a lot of it and yeah. So people come for advice and, I, I get questions about bourbon more than anything. I feel like on Twitter uh, and on social media, people just wanting to share a story with me about a bottle they found, or they take a picture and say, Hey, look what I got, or is this any good? Or I'm looking for a, a birthday gift for somebody or a special gift for somebody. What should I look for? And I love that interaction that I have with people. Um, I, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And I like that so many people are, are into it. The only like there are always unintended consequences though, right? There are always downsides. And now it's, you can't walk into a store and buy a bottle of Weller 12 year anymore without spending $50. If you can even get to it, cause it's all behind lock and key. I mean, it's gotten so crazy. You know, it's like, I, I sort of wish even that at 50, even, at 50, even at $50, that still might be a steal. I know. That's a good point actually. Yeah. Weller special reserve for 59.99. I'm like, there really? you go. You know, yeah, you I see mean, that green label. You're like, nah, pass. Yeah. And it's behind lock and key. I mean, you, it's, it, 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 it's never on the shelf up here ever. And any place that you do see it is in the special cabinet. You know, I mean, it's gotten out of control. So I wish that that hasn't happened, but I love all the dialogue that people have about it. I love the popularity. Um, I, like I said, I'm not kidding. You walk into, you walk into bars now up here, and the craft cocktail thing is blown up. You know, obviously all across the country, and these mixologists are doing wild, crazy, fun, experimental things with lots of spirits. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, everybody's got different types of old fashions in Manhattan's, and they're all jockeying for position of who's got the best one in town. Absolutely. And so, so you had mentioned trying to trying to find some things at retail or finding stuff behind lock and key. Are you more of a Benny's person? Do you shop at local places? How do you usually get around finding finding your good stuff? And by the way, there's a lot of people in Chicago that are gonna hear this. So you're giving away probably some of your traits. I know, here, so. right. Big big time Benny's guy. Absolutely. Um, that's probably the place I do frequent most. Luckily we have some We've got some friends there. Um, we've made some good connections, and when you spend enough money over the years, they they do treat they do treat you well. I'll visit uh, the local liquor stores too, though. I mean, I will. I got a couple places by me in the suburbs that I go to a lot. Uh, Grant, there's a great place in the city on the on the west side, Grand and Western uh, Liquors, um, that a guy uh, Danny Pasaglia owns that my dad has known for 30 years. It's a great guy. He's got a killer selection. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I've mostly Benny's, but like if I'm, when I'm driving out around different suburbs too, and I see a, a big liquor store, I'll always pop in just to kind of go through their bourbon section and see what they have, you know, what's on the shelf, what do they maybe have in the special room and see if you can get access to, but you know, just, uh, about a week ago I was driving through the Northern suburbs cause we were on remote, uh, doing our show on a Friday up in the northern suburbs, and there's a liquor barn up there. And I said, "Well, you know, I'll pull over and just check." And you know, yeah, they had they probably had forty bottles of uh, 
a single barrel pick that the store had done recently from uh, from the Beam folks, a knob single, a fourteen year old knob single barrel for you know thirty six dollars. And I and I tell people, then I I usually go on Twitter and tell people this is the stuff you should be looking for. You know, for, forget about Pappy. You're you're like you're you're not getting it. You're not getting, you're, <laughs> get you're good not, luck. Right. You're not going to get birthday bourbon. You're not, you're not going to get, uh, Michter's toasted Oak. I mean, or I think that's the one they're doing, right. The new one that's coming out. I mean, like you're, you're probably not going to get it and I don't want to crush anybody's dream, but I always tell people like, go and look for this kind of stuff. I was at Benny's about a month ago and they had, and I tweeted a picture of this. They had very old Barton for like 1499. And I said, this is what you should go buy. Like, this is the best $15 you will ever spend at Benny's, you know, go and just buy this and, and enjoy it. Um, and that's what I like to do is I, it, like I said, if I've got a few minutes and I pass a big liquor store, or just a, a neighborhood liquor store, I'll usually always duck in just real quick and see what they have. Cause you never know if you're not going to find Pappy, but you never know if you could find a good hidden gem in there. Yeah. It looks like the bug has bit you pretty hard then. Like how long have you been <laughs> going around and doing this. Cause see, for me, I used to try to do this a lot. I used to travel quite a bit extensively for work. So when I would travel to Minnesota or California or whatever, I'd go look around. And, and actually when I go to Dallas, I usually came, came away with some pretty good stuff back then, but now I don't travel as much and I'm just around the city and I've given up completely on hunting and going to different places. So I just try to stay loyal to, to somewhere. So how long had you had been going through this cycle of just trying to go around maybe just once in a while you'll find something rare sitting around I think when it started to become so difficult to find the good stuff you know uh, I think that's probably when I said well you might as well experiment and just see if you're going past somewhere you know what do they have and I don't we don't travel out of state a whole heck of a lot anymore and we do for some from some big events but I find that when we are on the road working um, and maybe I should do this more. I almost never go out of state into a different liquor store. But like, to your point, I get friends that travel a lot that'll text me all the time. Or my brother travels quite a bit. He was just in India. He was at Big Red Liquors and he was going through and saying, oh, look what they got on the shelf here. I probably should do more of that. I feel like more on the road traveling and it, it, it's not top of mind for whatever reason for me. But I would say uh, when, when the stuff really started to get and when things started to become really tough to find, like when they started taking Blanton's off the shelf or... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of just another quick example. Elmer T. I mean, you know, the, the stuff that you think should be easy to get and, and, and it's just not, I, that's when I started going into other places, sometimes, especially like smaller neighborhood places. Uh, I, I would duck in there just to see, okay, what is available? And, you know, maybe you get lucky, maybe you find something good that they still have sitting out on the shelf. No, I'm totally with you. And that's just been one of those things. Hell, even right now, even if you travel, you're still not going to find anything. I think the bourbon bug is hit everybody pretty hard. So it's yeah. every once in a while, I'll see somebody on a forum that posts a bottle that they're like, hey, I found this old 1987 wild turkey sitting on the shelf. It's oh. like, how the fuck do you find anything with tax stamps or tax trips <laughs> like sitting on the shelf? But that's awesome. I know it happens. Grab that if you find it. No, no kidding. <laughs> so you had also mentioned earlier that you know, you're kind of getting started with Maker's Mark, and it seems like that's a gateway for a lot of people into this world. What was your sort of progression into those next bottles after Maker's Mark? If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus Magazine. 
Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. What was your sort of progression into those next bottles after Maker's Mark? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like makers and makers only for a little while. And then I tried, uh, it sort of segued into the like Beam's craft line, you know, kind of got into knob and realized how good that was. And um, Booker's probably. The thing that, you know, once this, once single barrels became so popular, and I'll never forget my first bottle of Four Roses single barrel, like that opened up my eyes to, I think, a whole like other I don't know what we say, like just kind of like the next level of like how good bourbon could actually be. Um, and that's when I really started kind of like throwing myself into, you know, reading as much as I could about it. You know, what, what makes it so much different than other whiskeys? Uh, you know, that's when I started becoming more of, you know, I don't want to, like I said, I, I don't consider myself much of an expert, but I started pouring myself into like the history of bourbon making in this country and like what separates distilleries, what makes good whiskey, what are you, what should you be looking for? Um, you know, I, I kind of like diversified more, my portfolio, I guess you'd say, as uh, I started understanding how there are differences between the amount of rye they're using and, you know, uh, 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 something that's been in the barrel for four years and something that's been in the barrel for 12 years. And, you know, what floor is it on in one of those beam warehouses if they're pulling a single barrel like that? Yeah, I over a probably a period of three or four years, I started really falling in love with it and kind of like immersing myself in the history of how bourbon was made and how it's continuing, how it continues to be made. And like, OK, this is like this is what I should learn about it so that I'm, I'm informed, I'm educated. And when I go shopping, like I know what I want. I, I, I know what I like the taste that I like. I mean, that's kind of how it all came together for me. Can you remember any of those resources that you were using at the very beginning to kind of get a, get a head start? A lot of people, because a lot of people listen to the show and don't be wrong. I, I'd say about half of them are, are pretty consumer savvy uh, when they're going into this, but the other half are people that, 
are just now get really getting into it, right? And they'll yeah. they might they might start back at episode one fifty and they'll reach up to this one because they don't want to start back at episode one. So right. every once in a while we like to throw some tidbits in there of, you know, where did you where did you actually start getting your education on some I of these think, things? I think I just started Googling stuff and you know, bouncing around blogs like bourbon and banter, breaking burp, stuff like that. I mean, like just and this is before podcasts became so popular too, where it's even easier now. You could just download you guys, listen, get get educated, get informed. I think a lot of it was just going online, you know, sitting down late one night after games we were watching were over and work was done. And I'd plug something into Google and just start reading about it. And uh, I, you know, I started, I found myself going on these blogs and like reading the tasting notes. And then I would get a bot, I, you know, get a glass and it didn't have to necessarily be of what I was reading about, but I tried to think about the way I'd read these tasting notes from what I always deem were at least more professional people that understood, uh, you know, what you should be looking for, how to get the nose, how to get the palate. And I'd say, let, let's see if I can start to differentiate, you know, uh, as, as expertly, um, as, as these people online can, you know, and sure enough, I mean, once you start doing it, all of a sudden, you do notice different things on your palate. You do notice different things on the nose. So I, I would read these descriptions, and then I'd pour myself a little glass, and I'd like try really hard to understand what was happening. I remember watching a video of, I think it was Fred No once, who was talking about, um, I think it was, how you should open your mouth a little when you get your nose in there, because that's part of the sensation, you know, that... I started like learning about all, or, or trying to educate myself on all these little tricks to uh, really understand what you were smelling and, and what you were tasting. And so I think a lot of it just happened from this beautiful thing we called the internet thing. I don't know what you would have done <laughs> in, uh, 30 years ago. I have no idea. But you can be so much more informed and well-educated now because uh, stuff like this, I mean, it, it's so readily available. Yeah. The other thing is don't read everything you see. Cause I know all those guys. I know them all. <laughs> I bet you do. And they're all bullshitters Are at the end of the bullshitters? day. Yeah. 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 They'll, they'll look at a color wheel or there's their flavor right. wheel and be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Black peppercorn. That's what right, I'm getting. Yeah, at. Yeah. Nah, but a lot of them, they, they do know what they're doing. But again, I, I don't know how good it goes down to put on your resume that you're a professional drinker. Either. Right. I don't know. <laughs> how far is that going to take you? But in today's <laughs> world, who the hell knows? Yeah. But it's, it's like, like it's anything else, right? It's a, it's a hobby where you get enthralled with it and yeah. you end up kind of taking over to the edge is hell. It's kind of why we started the podcast. Right. Just how like you just, I mean, do you feel the same way? Like you just want, want to know everything about it. You know, when you really, I mean, you get into a hobby, um, whatever it is, I feel like, you know, just, I like to educate myself about the things that I like. And that's kind of like how I thrown myself into all this, I guess. Absolutely. And, and you'd kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit earlier as well, by being able to research these things and know more about them, you become a more savvy consumer. Yeah. You're able to go to these liquor stores. You're able to pick out a single barrel. You might even be at the point where you're saying, Hey, do you have one of these open that I could taste it before I drop yeah. down 40 or 50 bucks to buy it? It's one of those things that you end up just if anything, if you start enjoying something, it, it could be, it could be basketball and you start reading stats everywhere. Right. It's just right. one of those things where you start getting really enthralled with something and, and you just take it there and you just run with it. Absolutely. So there's another thing that you had mentioned uh, a little bit earlier about 
a lot of people come to you and they ask you like, Hey, they'll tweet you and say, did I get a, did I get a good bottle? Now, do you actually talk about bourbon on the air every once in a while? We, we do. Yeah, we do a little bit. Um, you know, we can, we like to do, I mean, we're a sports show, obviously. Uh, we like to have fun, do a lot of, we, a lot of times we call it, you know, guy radio stuff. You know, it's not like all sports all the time. I'd say it's a heavy lean and we're probably 75, 80% of the time talking about sports issues of the day, but we have fun talking about the things that we like to do in our personal lives, the way we socialize, drinking, eating movies. So it, it does come up from time to time. We've joked a lot over the years, just how hard it's become to find the good bourbon. I think that's another thing that sort of pushed the dialogue forward on social media for me, uh, because people have heard us talk about that and they go out looking for something that they've heard us talking about and they can't find it. Um, you know, I, it's, I think that's how it's become so prevalent for me on Twitter and having conversations with people. But it, a lot of it just usually does start from a conversation maybe we're having on the air about about bourbon. A lot of times it's unfortunately how hard things have become to find though. <laughs> so I guess I'll, I'll toss another question at your way. So do you think it, because we can, everybody can go into a liquor store and you can probably go to a Benny's and you'll see, you'll be sh- sh- shelves full of bourbon, right? Yeah. Now, are, is bourbon, really good bourbon still hard to find or is it just those limited releases, those things that have taken over general hype more than anything yeah. that had just become more hard to find. Yeah, I think that's it, Kenny. That's the stuff that's become, and that's why I said before, like you shouldn't be consumed with finding some of those things. You're only going to drive yourself crazy. You know, um, there's a ton of good stuff out there, you know, uh, I, th- and that's what I try to tell people all the time. You know, I'll, people will ask me and I'll tweet them usually a few st- just I should just save the tweet and retweet it over and over again because it's usually <laughs> the same handful of bourbons. I'll say, you know, go into Binney's and buy a bottle of Evan Williams single barrel. Go buy a bottle. If you want to spend a little bit more, spend buy a bottle of Four Roses single barrel. Go buy a bottle of Wild Turkey Rare Breed or 101. I'm like, those are awesome whiskeys. And uh, chances are, you know, tasting those blind Unless you really know and, you know, you understand the differences in the profile between if I, I, you know, we go back to Pappy a lot because that's become like, you know, it's the the impossible thing. Right, right. That's the most impossible one to find too. But like, unless you are, you know, really familiar with the different profile within that mash bill and like understand the differences, like you're probably not going to be able to say which is better than like tasting it blind, like you know, you're probably not going to be able to, to, to differentiate and, and you're not going to be so blown away by the Pappy 20 or if you're drinking a four roses single bear, you're, you're just not, I, I don't, I truly believe that. I don't think most people are going to pick up on like the subtle little differences. There's so much good bourbon out there. Like, uh, I'm looking at some of the stuff behind you. I mean, like the, the, the Russell's reserve, can I say what's behind you? I can sure say. you can. It, it's, <laughs> is that okay? this, is, this is a drop in the bucket to what I really have. I'll just <laughs> I'm you sure pictures I know. later. I, I, you know, like Russell's reserve. I mean, like you can go into Binney's and find a bunch of single barrel store picks that they do with Jimmy Russell. That is, you know, for $59, you can get an exceptional bottle of bourbon. They just got, um, I, I was there last week talking to some of the guys, the whiskey hotline guys at Binney's and they were just, uh, at beam again. And they picked out, I think they said 15 barrels. They got 15 single barrels that they should have in the store within six weeks. It'll be 40 bucks for a 14 year, almost 15 year old, um, single barrel knob, like that, that'll be terrific whiskey. Like go buy that stuff. You know, um, there's a ton of good stuff that you can find when you go into these places. 
I think where people get, you shouldn't go in thinking I've got to find birthday bourbon today. Like forget it. It's, you know, it's, it's probably not going to happen and don't, don't beat yourself up over that or get your hopes up. Just go find the good stuff that you can sit and drink uh, with family and friends. You know, there's plenty of it out there. I think it's also a, a reverse side of that is that people, they want to go and find these allocated bourbons and they have this idea in their head that this is, this is going to be fantastic. Like this yeah. is, this is, I've, they built it up so much in their head <clears throat> and they'll try it. And they'll say to themselves, yeah, this was this was right. worth every penny and worth every second of it. When in reality, for anybody that is still learning and you start learning how, you know, you go to Wild Turkey and it's literally the same exact mash bill that's used for every single one of their releases, uh, whether it's 101, whether it's Rare Breed, whether it's Kentucky Spirit, whether it's their 17-year-old limited edition, it's still the same mash bill. And so it's one of these things that you can eventually start learning all the different pieces that that go into all the nuances of all these different distilleries and start coming away with a, a better uh, education of this is what I should really be looking for. Yeah. So I think you hit the head there. Yeah. Like, unless you've got the ridiculous discretionary income too, where you can be you know going online and buying some of the stuff at the secondary market. I, I just, I always tell people like, it's not worth it. And if you're a millionaire and, it, and money is no object, I guess have at it. But for, for most of us, like there's, I love bourbon, but there's so much good bourbon that I can't, I would never spend $500 on a bottle of bourbon. I just, I, I wouldn't do it. It's like, to me, it, it doesn't make sense. There's too much good stuff out there. Like you just said, um, where you could find a, a great bottle for $50. I'm not going to spend $500. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah. Once you're sitting there and all of a sudden it's in front of you, you're, I don't like, know. you're like, well, yeah, what's what's five hundred? You probably spent money on worse things. Probably, <laughs> I haven't spent that much on a body yet, though. I can promise you that. Not there yet. You go. So uh, another question is, uh, you know, do you ever drink while you're sitting there in, in the studio on air, or talking about that? Like, oh, we'll, we'll sip this or something while we're going for it. We don't do it at the studio, but I will tell you, we do it uh, on remote when we're at a bar somewhere, and you know. The bosses are pretty cool with letting us uh, sneak a little sip here or there. Look, I mean, we're, you know, we're a sports radio station. You're not getting sloshed either. Well, and we're not. We're not. And we're out when we're out on these remotes and we're in bars. We're, I would say, 95% of the time we are with uh, a beer company. And so, you know, there's always a bucket of beer usually on, on the table in front of us. And then people will sometimes, you know, buy a shot. Everybody do knows that uh, everybody does know, excuse me, that, uh, both myself and my partner like whiskey and we'll drink some bourbon. So they'll bring a, maybe a shot up or they'll bring a small glass of something and you can't disappoint the listeners. Right. So we'll, we'll have a sip or two when we're on a roll. We never do it in the studio that we don't do when we're here. I think that, that there is a line they would frown, uh, frown upon that. But when we're out and we're amongst the people, uh, as long as we're doing it responsibly, yeah, they, they don't mind if we have, uh, if we toast with a little whiskey every once in a while or have a beer. You said it was like, it was a hard thing to be like, well, they know it and they bring it. So we have to, like, we yeah. have to, we have to please the fans. You don't want to be rude, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You can't be a jerk. So, you know, depending on, do you have a, a particular whiskey you go to depending on any sport that you're, you're watching after, after hours, whether it's hockey or basketball, football, college pro, anything like that, or is it just kind of just go to the shelf and figure out, well, this, this sounds pretty good right now. I think that's more it. Yeah, just kind of go to the shelf and say, this is good for tonight. And, I, you know, I've got some that I, I 
drink less frequently. Like there, I do have some nice stuff that I maybe only want to have when a couple of good friends are over or if one of my brothers are over. Um, and you know, maybe only after like some, I don't know what a special occasion would be, but you know, I've got some, there, there are a handful of bottles in my collection that I keep sort of in the back that, uh, that I, I don't go to very often. Um, I was fortunate enough to get my hands on a bottle of, uh, the Al Young last year like that. That's, you know, that's going slowly. I won't go through that quick. I still have a bottle from, um, antique collection released a couple years ago, uh, some William Leroux Weller that I'm going through slowly. Like I got about a legal rare 17 from a couple years ago. I haven't even opened yet. So I've got some of those that are sort of like the special bottles that I keep in the back that, uh, I don't go too often, but no, normally it's, yeah, four roses single sounds good tonight or uh, wild Turkey sounds good tonight or, um, Evan Williams, single barrel sounds good or knob, you know, single barrel sounds good tonight. That I would say that's kind of like the, the usual rotation for me. It's, it's one of probably like four or five. That's kind of always on the shelf. Yeah. Right. And are, you, are you saving those, those, uh, quote unquote unicorns that some people would like to call them for like a, a black Hawks championship or something like that? You know, it's funny you say that. Like I, I'll never forget when, so I am a huge black Hawks fan. I mean, huge. It's probably, you know, the thing that got like had me, the, the one thing that made me fall in love with sports at, at a really young age, um, was the Blackhawks when I was a kid. And, you know, believe it or not, there was a time when I was a kid in the eighties, when they were still really popular and really good. They, they, you know, from about 1996 to about 2008, they were a moribund franchise. I mean, they were, you know, um, the worst of the worst in North America. But when I was a kid in the eighties, even though they still weren't home games, weren't on TV, like I was obsessed. My dad, uh, split season tickets with a buddy back then at the old stadium. I went to my first Hawks game when I was six and like, I fell in love with hockey and we used to go out with my dad and listen to games on the radio at night. When I was a kid, I, I started playing hockey when I was four. So hockey's a big deal for me when the Hawks won in 2010, uh, I thought I'd never see it. When they won in 2010, we did open a bottle. And now th at this time, it was not even as hard to find, but we did open a bottle of Pappy 20 year. And that, I had about, I don't know, maybe six or seven friends over um, at my condo in the city. And they won. We opened up a bottle of Pappy. We drank, I think we drank the whole thing, actually. Um, so there are those bottles that do exist. You're right. That, And I don't know what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what I'm saving that Eagle Rare 17 year for. I can't tell you that. I really don't know. Like some people say, well, come on, why haven't you opened that yet? And I don't have a good answer. I'm not sure. I don't know when the right moment's going to be. It might be, it might be nothing at all. It might be one night, finally, like next summer, a couple of buddies are over and I just say, let's open this. I, I really don't know, but, um, plus the, the trade value in that thing has gone up quite significantly. So there could also be something else that you have your eyes set on one of these days that you're like, okay, well, I'll trade this for something that I know I'm going to want to drink more than more than the Eagle Rare 17. You're always thinking, Kenny, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good idea. Actually. That's, that's the, that's the bourbon nerd churn right, right there. The, just going. The wheels are turning. That's actually really good. I didn't even think about that, but you might be right. Like, what could I trade this for that maybe I haven't had or that I'm trying to get my hands on? Yeah. Like, I don't know why I haven't opened that yet. It's just kind of sitting there waiting. And I don't believe like, I'm not a big believer in buy it and then just stash it and, and hold on to it and never open it. For some reason that one hasn't been opened, but you know, like if um, I, I'm a huge White Sox fan too, I'm not a Cub fan, which in this town can be difficult. I'm a huge White Sox fan. I saw so him win. Say, you're probably, you get chastised for that? It's brutal. My son comes home, all he hears at school, you know, he's six, he's in first grade. All he hears at school is stuff about the Cubs. I mean, 
it's rough. He thinks, you know, he should be a Cub fan. I'm like, well, if you really want to be, but you know, you should try watching the White Sox, but you know, they're winning 60 games a year right now, but I believe in their, their rebuilding plan. And like, you know, maybe if in two years they do what the Cubs have done and you know, they, they're a, a, a budding dynasty and they win a world series again. Yeah. Maybe that's when I open it. I, I really don't know. Um, but I'll never forget in 2010 when the Hawks won, that is exactly how we celebrated. We opened up a bottle of Pappy 20 year. And like, even back then it wasn't quite as hard to get like back then you might've still been able to go into Benny's and, well, 2010 for sure. Yeah, I think so. I want to say it was like maybe around 2012, 2013 when it started to become, you know, they'd laugh at you when you'd ask. But yeah, I'll never forget that. That's how we celebrated that uh, that first Hawks Stanley Cup in 2010. It was great. Oh, that's good because hopefully you'll you'll come across another bottle and save that for the next championship. For that's right. Whether it's Blackhawks or White Sox or maybe a Bears uh, Super Bowl. I was pretty young when I was only nine when the Bears won the Super Bowl. I mean, it seems like. They're due. They're due. Uh, yeah, right. And it was a, it was a lifetime ago. I was so young, and you know, I I at that age, I think it's, you know, it's still kind of hard to fully appreciate what you're seeing. Um, you know, we're, we've got an obsession in this town with the '85 Bears. I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, and but I was but I was awfully young. Like you, you know, I don't. I I would love to see them do it again. It's been so long, and this is really a, a more than anything else. This is a football town. So like. Yeah, maybe a bear Super Bowl, something like that. Have some buddies over, and we we'll crack open something really good. It sounds like a worthy occasion to me. It does. Why not? I'm a Bengals fan. I don't think I'll ever oh, see it. Oh God! <laughs> hey, they're off to a good start, though. They're, they're, I'd say Bears and Bengals are two of the biggest surprises of the year, probably so far. Yeah. Well, you're gonna know more about that than I will. You got, <laughs> you, you follow way too closely. See, I follow I the do. bourbon world too close. You're in the sports yeah, world. It's crazy. <laughs> Talk about so, obsession. Absolutely. So let's go ahead. We'll, we'll wrap it up with that. You know, Carmen, it was great to have you on the show today. I want to give you an opportunity as well to kind of plug the show where people can listen to you, uh, how they can listen to the radio show, everything like that. We're on uh, every single day. Uh, we go on right, right around 1140, around about 230, right in the middle of the afternoon every day. Uh, AM 1000, if you're driving around in Chicago or in the surrounding area, um, we got a pretty good signal, 50,000 watt mofo as we like to say uh so yeah hit us up on am radio there's still the am dial everybody am 1000 we're online too you can podcast and stream us at espnchicago.com and then uh, anybody that is in the area and uh maybe people have heard me talk about it i do a big charity event at the binnies in lincoln park there's they've got this tasting room that is spectacular kind of you should see this thing um so if you're uh looking to have a a, a great night at a charity event i do it every november doing bourbon and bacon again for charity. We raise money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation of Greater Illinois, and we donate all the proceeds to that. So, and people can buy tickets at cfbourbonandbacon.com, cfbourbonandbacon.com. So hopefully we'll see you there if you live in the area. Well, fantastic. So thank you again for doing that. Make sure you check out Carmen and Yurko on ESPN Chicago Radio. They do have their podcast. You can actually stream it on their website. So please go ahead and do that too. Uh, also, give another shout out for your, your Twitter handle. People got to yeah. follow you. At Carmen DeFalco. Simple as that. Hit me up on Twitter. Love talking about sports and bourbon. So um, we'll see you there. All right. Pretty easy. I'll, I'll get you at least another 10 followers. Please. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. All the help I can get. Yeah. Probably not Chicago based either. We'll find you. That's, that's good. Yeah. We'll, that's a good we'll take you national. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So make sure you follow him. Make sure you follow us. Bird Pursuit on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you do like the show, support us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Bourbon Pursuit. And with that, thank you so much, Carmen, for joining us. And we'll see everybody next week. Mm-hmm.